0: And good morning, everybody. How we doing? All right. So, so if you're longing for a little more singing, don't worry. We got you covered. We're going to sing more after I preach. So uh, we got you covered today. So we're certainly glad you're worshiping with us today. And uh, man, it is good to just be able to gather together again, isn't it? And uh, such a privilege to live in a free country where we can gather and worship. And I know it's been such a struggle over the last, uh, I can't count how many months now. And uh, man, it's just good to be with each other, to love on each other, and to love the Lord and worship together. So just a couple of things I want to mention, and then we're going to jump into the message today. But uh, inside your bulletin, hopefully you got one of these on the way in. If you didn't, uh, we can get one to you. Um, they're, they're back in the back back there. But um, inside your worship folder, there's a lot of different information. Uh, there's a communication card, so take that out. Um, we're going to need that. There's some other information here. Um, certainly, there's some sermon notes, and then uh, there's some information about various activities, uh, ways to connect, ways to plug in and get involved that we have going on, uh, not the least of which you might notice is a blueberry pancake breakfast uh, next Saturday. So we're doing this two weeks in a row. Uh, Mark and Sharon are hosting it out at their place. Uh, Mark, first one was, last, was yesterday. Pancakes were incredible, and uh, I'm still full from blueberry pancakes because they were so good. And uh, we're gonna be eating blueberries for a while. So, if you're interested in that, uh, you can mark on your communication card um, that you'd like to RSVP for that uh, next Saturday's blueberry pancake breakfast. Again, all the information's right here. In your bulletin of course we have worship in the park coming up weather permitting um, our ladies walking group is getting started again for the summer there's more information about that Naomi. we'd be sure, certain and love to talk to you about that there's some ways to plug in and help with uh, various things around the church landscaping being one of them as you can imagine keeping the campus up is a slight bit of work I think Villa Festi lives here around the clock. Um, just because of all that he does in taking care of things. But there's a numerous ways to help, uh, particularly uh, with some repairs to the sprinkler system, some different areas that need weeding, uh, things of that nature. And, of course, if you're interested in being baptized, uh, our next chance for that, we're going to do uh, baptism in the river uh, here in a few weeks uh, when we... Um when we gather for worship in the park and so if you're interested in being baptized um, just let us know on that communication card so speaking of that card I want to ask everybody to get it out right now uh, so that I know you have it and so uh, communication card get it out and here's what I want to ask you to do I'm going to ask you to do something a little different and a little a little special today uh, just something that will help me out so, you know, every Sunday we ask everybody to fill out a communication card or online a digital communication card, and we'd love it if you would do that. The reason we ask you to fill one out every week is, is because every week is new, and so we want to know what's new for you this week. If there's something new we can pray for you about, if there's something new that you'd like to see God do in your life, any of those kinds of things, just fill out the card and let us know. That would be, uh, that would be tremendous. And there's one other thing I want to ask you to do. Um, I'm beginning work now on uh, some of our sermon writing for what comes in the fall, next year. I try to look every summer out ahead and anticipate where we might go. And there's something you can do to help me out. And this this is it. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to answer some questions for me. And this week's question is pretty simple. It's this. If I could ask Jesus any question, if I could ask Jesus any question, what would that question be? So if I had Jesus right in front of me and I could say, Jesus, I'm wondering about, I want to know about, Jesus, here's the question I have for you. In fact, I would even say, if you would like to ask Jesus an anonymous question, you might have put your name on the card already, and right, we can get you more cards. But I mean, if you've got an anonymous question you would want to ask Jesus, that's good too. You know, hey, if I could ask Jesus any anonymous question, Right? you know, Sort of asking for a friend kind of thing. If I could ask Jesus any question, what would that question be? That'll help me with some sermon prep uh, over the next weeks. At the end of the service today, we're not passing a basket these days in taking an offering. Many of our, uh, many of our givers give online. Of course, if you're new today, if you're a guest today, please know that your, your gifts are not what we're after. Uh, our, our, those of us that consider Harvest our home gladly take care of that. But we would love to hear from you as a guest on the card as well. We'd love the chance to get to know you um, just a little bit. We're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to do anything crazy. In fact, what we'd like to really do is honor you. Every time guests fill out cards for the first time, we give $5 in your name and each of your family members' names to our partners at Monroe Middle School right here in the neighborhood. They have a fund that supports families in crisis. Uh, we recently were able uh, to um, you know, do our funds for the last few months and uh, they just said hey here's a specific need you can help with it's a way that would be just tremendous if you could do that And we were able to do that and so uh, very powerful so if you're a guest please fill out one of those and again because we're not collecting offerings at the end of the service we've got a basket in the back we've got a lockbox in the back so the offerings go in the lockbox. the cards go in the basket if you will so I'm going to pray for us again and then we're going to jump into the Bible today so will you pray with me Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for just how loving, how powerful, how fair, how gracious and kind you are. And Jesus, I ask today that as we study your word, that you would remind us how much you want to connect with us in those ways. Jesus, we confess that we often pray, but then again we confess that we often pray and then forget to pray after. That we often give up on prayer too soon. So remind us today what a privilege we have in connecting with you every moment of every day. Jesus, speak to our hearts now, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Right out of the gate, if you have a Bible, go in the Bible with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, we give Bibles away for free. We keep them in the back in various places. There's some on the table outside. We'd love to give you one of our Bibles. I'll have it on the screens today uh, if you don't have your Bible with you today. So here's what Jesus said, Luke 18, verse 1. We're in a series, we're calling Prayer 101. I'm not calling it that because nobody understands prayer. I'm calling it that because, quite frankly, I often find that there are lessons that I need to learn and relearn and relearn over and over and over. I haven't arrived when it comes to prayer, and I would imagine that many of you would say that as well. Last week we were talking about the fact that prayer is is turning toward God. It's turning our hearts away from ourselves and our self-direction and our self-will and turning them towards God, seeking God's face. Today, we're going to discover something a little different about prayer. Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus said, well, it says this actually, describing what Jesus was going to say. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable. Now, a parable is a story with sort of a singular point. It's a story that that's, that's, takes everyday things, something people would be familiar with, and makes a real solid point out of it. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and they should not give up. Hmm. Do you think that maybe the reason Jesus told the parable... Is because he knows that we give up before we should in prayer. He told them the parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Some of the other translations are going to say things like not lose heart, not grow weary, and not give up on prayer. Jesus told us this. To show us that we should always pray and not give up. But you know what you and I do? Any guess? No way! Who would ever suspect that we would give up praying? I I suppose Jesus would. Because he knows the way our hearts tend to be. In fact, have you ever thought, man, I, you know, I feel like I pray and I pray and I pray and and... And I just get tired sometimes of not getting the answer to prayer, or I I, I tire sometimes of praying and not hearing God answer the prayer or not seeing God answer the prayer. And if we're honest about why we give up, there's probably a lot of reasons we do, and some of which we're going to explore today. But I think often we get just sort of exhausted in waiting on God because we're not very patient people are we it's not like patience is something you're born into if if we were born into patience babies would come out patient they're not we're not it's something you have to learn it's something that comes from walking with the spirit of God I guess I would say it this way. If you're taking notes, this is the first set of blanks. And this phrase may seem a little awkward the way I phrase it, but I think it'll make sense as we talk it through. If, if I'm tired of hearing God say no, I should at least recognize that the quickest way to hear no from God is to never ask him for anything to begin with. The quickest way to hear God say no to my prayers is for me to not pray them. Because when I don't pray, what would I expect God to say to my non-prayers? And so the surest, quickest way to hear no is to give up on asking God for anything at all. To never ask Him for anything at all. We've been talking about how we struggle with prayer and how to improve our prayer life and i think praying consistently is one of those things that if i'm honest most of us as christians probably struggle with because because we're praying to a god we don't see and so sometimes that prayer is you know deep on our knees and sometimes that prayer is while we're busy and going through our day and sometimes that prayer is literally while we're driving down the road and you don't have to worry driving down the road you can pray out loud because everybody else is singing to their tunes as well so nobody has any clue right that you're talking to a god you can't see and they can't see and yet so often we get discouraged we lose heart internally and it causes us to give up there's a Fairly well-known, famous story about Ted Turner. You might have heard of Ted Turner. He started the Turner Television Network, CNN and TNT and, and I think TBS and a bunch of other of those television stations. Ted Turner is famously known for his opposition to the idea of Christianity or the idea of Jesus. But that is rooted really in his upbringing. He was raised as a Christian. He was raised to go to church. He was raised to worship the Lord. And something happened in his teenage years that he's not hidden. He had a sister who became very, very sick, a younger sister. Her name was Mary Jane. She contracted an immune system disease that eventually took her life. And like most of us would, he prayed for her to be okay. He prayed for her to be healed. He prayed for her to not die. And he's famous for for basically saying, look, I thought God was love and God was powerful, and I couldn't understand how someone so innocent should be allowed or made to suffer so much. Turner said later that the more he strayed from his faith, the better he felt. That in the end, what he really felt is that he had prayed and God didn't answer. And if God didn't answer, why should he believe in that God? Because to be fair to him, in his mind, his sister didn't deserve any of this. This is a prayer God should want to answer. If he would want to answer it the right way, and God didn't answer it the right way, then why should he, not only why should he pray, but why should he believe in God Now, if I'm talking you out of your faith this morning by sharing that story, just bear with me and hang in there. I think one of our biggest problems is when we pray prayers that we're certain God should want to answer. And he's slow to answer them. And again, we've talked about before, right? Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not yet. Not yet is, is a nice, nice little phrase for, guess what, you need to wait. And I think the most common answer to our prayers when we pray to God is that third one, wait. Prayers like the time you prayed for your grandmother who served God her whole life and she became ill. Or you prayed for your son or your daughter who, who knows God. But is wandering away from God. Or you pray for a marriage that you think God would want to save. After all, God's pro-marriage, right? Or you pray for your spouse who's addicted to who knows what. And you're praying for God to set them free. To live a right kind of life. Or you're praying for a friend or a family member. To come to know Jesus. Who wouldn't want that for someone they truly love? Certainly God would want that, right? It's why Jesus came. So when we're praying those kind of prayers, and God would want these things we want, when we're seeking something that is right and fair and just, why isn't God doing something when we pray about it? I think That's sort of the situation, the story, the context for why Jesus tells them this parable where it says Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We're not just talking about praying for candy when we're five-year-olds. We're talking about praying serious things that God should want. So why is it that we give up so easily. Well, the parable goes on, where Jesus tells them the story. It goes like this, verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. This is the Bible's way, Jesus' way, of saying that this particular judge really always did whatever it was he wanted. He wasn't fearful of God, so he wasn't bound by the things God would want. And he didn't really care about people, so there was no sense of caring for others that was going to drive what he would do. A lot of ways of saying this is that this judge was corrupt, that he was not a law-abiding, people-caring, law-following kind of judge. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him. With the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time, this particular judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, right? That I'm going to give this widow what she wants. Let's be honest. He's basically saying that this unjust judge is saying, I don't really care about the widow. I don't even really care about what she wants. I just want her to shut up and go away. Because she's going to keep bothering me. She's going to keep pestering me. And she might even come back and attack me. Why deal with that when I can just give her what she wants and make her go away? The Lord said, listen to what the unjust said." judge says. And will not God? I should pause there. We're used to reading Christian people. We read stories like this, parables from Jesus. And we start to build a parallel, if you will, right? Right, We see a comparison in play. And at this point, we're scratching our heads because we're going, is, is Jesus saying that God doesn't care about people? Is Jesus saying that God is unjust? Is Jesus saying that God is is, is... is God the unjust judge in the story? And I would just tell you, some parables are parables of comparison where you go, A is like B... And some parables are parables of contrast, where you say A is absolutely not like B. So with that in mind, this is a parable of contrast, if you will. Jesus again, verse 6, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So what is it Jesus is getting at? I I think the whole point of the parable, right, is that we should pray persistently, that we should not give up on prayer. Jesus is saying if a judge who doesn't care, a judge who doesn't do the right thing, if that kind of judge is moved by persistence, how much more would a God who cares for you be moved By your persistence does that make sense so why do we give up on prayer well number one I think we give up on prayer because we misunderstand God I think that might even be a bit of the point here in the story that we give up on prayer because we misunderstand God there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what he thought he was unjust There was a widow who kept coming to him, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time the judge refused, but he said, finally, if I don't fear God, I don't care about what people think, yet this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she will not come and attack me. He says, look, this widow had a certain view of this judge that he could do something, that he was the right person to go to to do something and I think often we start there when we pray don't we God is the right person to go to to do something there's something we care about with something we think God should care about we want to move him towards action on this person we care about or this issue or this thing that we care about if God should want what I want then then I'm going to try to move God in this direction by praying and I'll tell you, I think there are three ways we misunderstand God when God is slow to answer our prayers. So, you know, under this, this idea that we under, misunderstand God, I think, I think we misunderstand God when, when He's slow because we think that God won't do the right thing. Sometimes we think God is really the unjust judge, that apparently God doesn't want to do the right thing. And if we think God doesn't want to do the right thing if we think he's really unjust what do we do we give up on prayer don't we Doesn't that makes sense that one of the reasons we give up on god is because we've decided that we've prayed and prayed and prayed and god isn't gonna do the right thing and if god isn't gonna do the right thing why should i do the right thing if god doesn't care why should i care so we give up praying he uses an interesting word here right when he says that she seeks justice. God, grant me justice against my adversary. Even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. Justice. It's a word used a lot in our culture today. Quite frankly, we debate highly. What we're really talking about i like to use the bible's definitions of things like justice so i'm going to give you a word you can substitute if you're christian people who think hey justice is a is a bad word right now by the way if you ever go to court you do want justice right if you're accused of something you didn't do you want justice if someone harms your family You want justice. Justice is not a bad word. But to help you read it just slightly different, I'm going to give you another word to read in its place. And here's that word, rightness or righteousness. In fact, the word justice and the word righteousness, biblically, often are the same word. In Hebrew, sometimes the Hebrew word is translated justice, and sometimes the Hebrew word is translated righteousness. Same thing in Greek. Sometimes in the New Testament, the word gets translated justice. Sometimes it gets translated righteousness. Justice is the the state of being fair. Righteousness is the state of being right. What we're questioning about God when we give up, at least some of the time, is whether God will even do the right thing. I think that's probably where Ted Turner got to in his head praying and praying and praying and seeking the right thing and wanting the right thing to happen. And if you've ever prayed for someone you've loved who was sick, who was dying, you've been tempted to think when they died that God didn't do the right thing. It's an awkward pause on purpose. this some reality when it comes to the bible we really struggle with right because the bible will say for the wages of sin is, is death and when we see people we care about die we're usually not okay with that especially when it's a person who seemed in our minds to be a saint but If we're going to conclude that God doesn't do the right thing, I think we have to read the Bible with the whole gospel in mind, thinking about a God who sent his son to die on our behalf. If the wages of sin is death, which the Bible says it is, then the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If justice is what I really want for God, what I deserve, quite frankly, I deserve, quite frankly is death. And what I'm asking for when I ask in prayer for healing, for wholeness, for people I love, I'm asking for mercy. And if you want to think about whether or not God will do the right thing, I think you have to read the Bible with the whole story, the whole picture of the gospel in mind that Jesus was sent for both justice and mercy. I camped out there a little long. I'm going to keep going. We give up on praying. We misunderstand God when God is slow to answer our prayers because, number two, we think God doesn't care. I think this is on the back. Yeah, back of the outline. We think God doesn't care. Sometimes we just think, oh, God's not like an unjust judge. Like, he's going to do the right thing, but but he just must not care about my situation. And if God doesn't care, why should I care? Right. I mean, I've had plenty of people I've known over the years who were sort of acquaintances but when I've gone through hard times they didn't particularly you know care I mean it didn't really matter to them and if God in my mind is just like that he's like oh he could take it or leave it whatever I go through whatever my friends go through then why should I pray if God doesn't care why should I care if God doesn't care If you want to understand the hopelessness of much of humanity these days, it's really in that idea. Most of the culture around us has concluded that God not only doesn't care, but God does not exist. And if there is no God that exists, there is no reason for caring at all. Much of the hopelessness we see around us in our lives, particularly those outside the faith, comes from sort of a nonchalant, like, eh? is there really a point? Philosophically, theologically, right? We'd be into the realm of like philosophy where we talk about nihilism, like like oh, there's just nothing out there. So there's no point to anything. So who cares? We misunderstand God when he's slow to answer our prayers because we think he doesn't do the right thing or we think he doesn't care. Number three, sometimes we conclude we think that God can't do anything. We misunderstand God. God's slow to answer our prayers the way we want. And we think, oh, it must be that God just can't do anything. That somehow God is not really God-like. That his hands are tied. That maybe God is like Jerry Lewis, you know? Like he's a nutty professor. Right? That he is willing, that he's nice, that he's caring, that he's almost hopelessly careless. But he's unable, really powerless, to really help me out. And if we conclude that God is powerless to do anything, we will give up on praying. Doesn't that make sense? But here's who God really is. He's not an unjust judge. He's not just some acquaintance out there. God's not the nutty professor. God is my loving, caring father. And so the things that break our heart They break the heart of God as well. When you read the whole of Scripture, you cannot read it and miss the fact that the heart of God is broken over the unjust things that happen in this world. Jesus' point here is that God isn't like the unjust judge. That if the unjust judge is moved by by being bothered by this widow, then how much more would the God who cares about us Want to do something. I pray to a father who loved me enough to send his son. And not only send his son, but sacrifice his son. That God will do the right thing. God does care. God is more than able. The challenge often is the issue of timing. Timing. Because I will pray for someone and pray for God to be healed and sometimes they are and sometimes they are not. Or sometimes they are not yet healed. And sometimes that healing happens on this side of eternity. And sometimes... It happens on the other. And I have, like you, many, many friends who've crossed that great divide into eternity. And I'm telling you, they are never more whole than in that first breath of heaven. And sometimes the very answer to our prayers, God, heal this person. Sometimes God's answer is when they know Him to take them home. We give up on prayer because we misunderstand God. I, I, this other big idea I, I have here is that we give up on prayer, number two, because we misunderstand prayer. This won't take us long, but I, I think it makes sense, right? That, that in the parable, there's this sense of, well, she just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. She just keeps bothering this unjust judge. So sometimes we misunderstand prayer because sometimes we think prayer is just pestering. Right? And if God's an unjust judge and I've got to pester him into doing what I want, I kind of tire of being the pester. I'm a younger brother. I know all about pestering. Right? I go ask my older brother. When I was a kid, I had pestering all figured out. But I grow tired of being a pest. I don't want to feel like a pest when I'm praying to God. I don't want to feel like I'm bothering God. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have prayed before and thought, man, if all I'm doing is just bothering God, certainly if He's being slow to answer, He's got more important things to be thinking about than – I'll say it when I'm praying for myself – than when my toe hurts, when my soul is tired, when my temptations are too strong, and I pray and – Tell me you haven't concluded this before in your own prayers. Maybe maybe God just doesn't have time for me. Maybe that's why God isn't answering my prayers. That's because we're misunderstanding prayer. We're thinking prayer is just pestering. We misunderstand prayer, number two, when we think that prayer is just wishful thinking. Just wishful thinking. People outside the faith, I think, just pestering, number one. Number two, just wishful thinking. That's all right. That's all right, just wishful thinking. Have you, ever, have you ever had someone say to you, I don't know why you pray. I mean, that, that's just wishful thinking. If you're not a believer in Jesus, it would be very common to say, hey, if there's no God, then, then prayer is it, it's just wishful thinking. Or even more so, number three, we, we, we misunderstand prayer because sometimes we just think prayer is just pointless. Think about it. If God's really like the nutty professor up there, and he's more than willing, but he's unable to really do anything, then prayer really is pointless. But the point of both the Bible and the parable here is that God is not an unjust judge. God is both willing and able. And if God is my perfect, loving Father in heaven and is both willing and able, then prayer, if you think about it, it's not just pestering. It's not just wishful thinking. And it's certainly not pointless. If God is my perfect, loving Father in heaven, then prayer really is, right, it's a conversation with Dad. Prayer is a heart-to-heart talk with a God who thinks the world of me. Sometimes that heart-to-heart talk is a woodshed talk. In those moments, I need a change of heart, right? Right? Sometimes that heart-to-heart talk is a, is, a, is a tender, loving, like head-on-your-shoulder kind of talk. Sometimes that talk is just everyday conversation talk. When you lose someone you love, one of the things you begin to realize in grief is that you can't just pick up the phone and talk to the person that you assumed you could just pick up the phone and talk to. And we've all lost people, so we all know what it's like to say, I just wish I could have another conversation. And if you've lost your mom or your dad, then you particularly understand. Likewise, if you've lost a friend, if you've lost a child, if you've lost anyone dear to you, you understand the idea of this parable. Does God really care? Because it is one of the hardest things of life to lose someone you deeply care about and to conclude through all of it that perhaps God doesn't care and if you hear nothing else I say today I hope you hear this the loving father cares Jesus the son cares his spirit cares it's why he came it's why he's here it's why Jesus gave his life he cares In fact, the one thing I'm trying to convince you of today, and really the singular point of the entire message is this, that the key to persistence in prayer, the key to not giving up in prayer, is to continue to trust Jesus' heart when I struggle to trust his answers. Because when I'm praying and I'm tempted to give up, I'm going to conclude one of two things. I'm praying, God's not answering. I'm praying, God's not answering. I'm praying, God's not answering. Now, a better way to say that is that God's not answering yet. God's not answering the way I want yet. And that's not to say God's always going to give you what you want. But when I'm praying and God is slow to answer, or at least from my perspective, God is slow to answer, on one hand, I might conclude, just like we've been talking about, that I've prayed and i didn't get the way i wanted and god must not care about me or he must not care about my loved one or he must not care about my friend and god must not know or god must not understand you're you're going to be tempted to conclude that and i'm saying to you today with all of my heart don't conclude that conclude the opposite That God didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted. So I'm going to trust that God knows what I don't know. God sees what I don't see. God understands what I don't understand. And I'm going to trust. I'm going to stretch my faith. I'm going to lean in. And I'm going to ask God to stretch me. Have you noticed that you grow more through the stretching times than you ever will through the easy times? It's just human nature. I'm going to ask God to stretch me, to give me faith I don't have. And if you've ever heard yourself pray and God say no, I just want to conclude with this, you're in good company. Do you think God answered every one of Billy Graham's prayers? No, because Billy would pray that every single person in every single stadium would respond to Jesus, right? In that moment. I'm going to go one up on you. How many times have you read the Bible and you intentionally went looking for the people God said no to? It's not a way we tend to read our Bibles. Right. Yeah, because we don't really like the idea that God would say no or not yet. But read your Bible with that in mind. Turn to the story of David. Not literally. We don't have time. Don't worry. I really am concluding. But turn to the story of David, where David prays for a child, his child, to be saved. And the child isn't. Turn to the story of Paul, right? 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, look, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this, this thorn in my flesh away from me. And I pleaded and I pleaded and I pleaded. And God said, you know the story, don't you? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul didn't always get what he wanted. David didn't always get what he wanted. Try this one on for size. There's this guy named Jesus. Have you heard of him? So very near the end of his ministry, very near the time he would be crucified, he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You remember, he took three friends with him and he went into a garden to pray, right? And you know what the friends did, right? They fell asleep pray through the night they fell asleep i am not jesus in the story you and i we're more like the friends than we are like jesus right but jesus in the garden praise father if it is possible may this cup be taken from me and he pleaded and pleaded and pleaded you remember what else Jesus prayed in that prayer, yet not what I will, what well, you will. This is the posture of the son towards the father. Pleading, asking, boldly asking, but trusting, surrendering, submitting, following. If you've ever had God say no or not yet, you are in good company. And the key to persistence in prayer is to continue to trust the heart of Jesus when I struggle with trusting his answers we always end our services with two prayers and today we're going to pray those two prayers we're going to come back and worship right and I hope that in that worship today you'll just sing to the Lord in faith and trust so those two prayers the first is a prayer of salvation the second a prayer of application a prayer of discipleship if you need Jesus this morning I hope what you've heard from me today is how much God cares about you. That Jesus cares about you enough to not only come and tell you what just is and what right is and to show you what just is and what right is but to take just and right on himself literally on a cross where he died for your sins and mine. And if you want to look that Savior in the eyes today and ask for his love and forgiveness He is more than willing. He is more than just. He is merciful. He is gracious, and willing to give it. Will you ask today? Maybe you'd pray like this, and bow your head and pray with me, just like this, dear Jesus. I confess that I give up on a lot of things too easily, including you, Jesus. I confess that I am not only broken but I choose to do the wrong thing. I'm sinful. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that they buried you, but your not dead so Jesus take my life take over my life and be my God and be my forgiver and be my savior Please, Jesus, I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You know that that prayer we just prayed? That's a prayer God never says no to. That's my honest belief. You pray that prayer, God says yes. 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 We're so excited when we pray prayers like that that we celebrate it. We celebrate it like, whoa. In fact, we celebrate it with a uh, uh, something we do in church world called baptism. And if you prayed that prayer today, I'd love to know it. You can tell me on the communication card, on the digital communication card online. You can, you can let me know here, right? You can seek me out after service. Uh, I'll be right outside when we're done. You can, you can find me. You can email me. I'm brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurchugine.com. But man, I would like to celebrate that with you. A lot of you prayed a prayer like that a number of years ago. And yet you realize that this this story, this parable has application to your life, that you have prayed and given up when you shouldn't. And you want to seek God about that. And again, this is one of those things, I don't want to pray for you, I want to pray with you. So if you want to pray with me today and apply this to your soul as a prayer of discipleship, again, bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Jesus, I confess that I give up on you too easily and I give up on prayer too easily that I lose heart so strengthen my faith and empower me to continue to trust you and continue to trust your heart when I'm struggling to trust your answers Remind me, Jesus, that you are willing, caring, and more powerful than I understand. Remind me that prayer is more than pestering or wishful thinking. And thank you, Jesus. And thank you, my Father in heaven. That you want to have heart-to-heart talks with me. So I commit that I want and I need to have heart-to-heart talks with you. And Jesus, I worship you now. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.